Welcome to the talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell. Of course, we always kind of focus on things that are all about Sykeston. And today, we're going to talk about Sykeston Public Schools. It begins this week uh, to uh, maybe the uh, chagrin of some uh, kids, but to the happiness of many parents across Sykeston, uh, school is about to begin. And uh, the older I get, the faster the school year goes, it seems. Uh, but we're here. It's time. And we are excited to have the new superintendent of Sykeston Public Schools with this, Dr. Tony Robinson. And before we even begin, uh, just for full disclosure, I'm on the school board and was part of uh, the process of bringing uh, Dr. Robinson here. Uh, but Dr. Robinson, thanks for being on the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and excited to be in Sykeston and just having a great time and just having a lot of fun getting to know residents, the community, um, hopefully getting to know some more kids as school gets started. So um, thank you. Well, let's uh, kind of start from the beginning in a way, just to kind of, you know, give people a glimpse of who you are and let them kind of meet you through this, through, uh, you know, the talk of Sykeston. Um, tell us about yourself, where you're from and how you got into education, that sort of thing. Yeah. So grew up uh, in St. Louis area, um, North St. Louis County, and um, went to McClure North High School up there, Ferguson Florissant School District, um, and really um, saw ath- athletics as a pathway to get to college, so really focused on you know using that as a means to get um, to get a scholarship to be able to pay for school. Um, originally, you know, my majors jumped around. Um, I did a lot of work through Fellowship of Christian Athletes in high school and in college, uh, but my original major um, was hotel and business management. You know, I thought I was going to you know own a bunch of hotels or something. <laughs> And but that love and, and enjoyment of working with kids was always there. So I was always still doing, um, you know, FCA and doing activities and weekend events. Um, so that kind of shifted me. Um, and then I, I actually transferred schools and changed my major to um, I thought I was going to go into the ministry. Um, but, you know, after continually working and working with kids and coaching and talking to some of my mentors, um, changed my major to education. Um, and got a history degree and got the um, education secondary piece because I love history um, as well and, you know, and love studying that as well. So that's how I got into education. Um, just really saw it as a means to connect and help transform kids' lives. And, and education has been such a positive part of my life um, and had some great teachers that motivated and encouraged me. At some point, and as uh, you move into being a principal or administration, you come to that realization that's the way that you want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, what made you think, I want to transform myself from being a teacher into administration? Yeah. Um, so when I graduated college, I, I, I mean, one of the things I did, I was a graduate assistant, and I coached at Missouri Western State um, and got my master's from Northwest Missouri State. Um, so, you know, the college coaching route was also an option. Um, but after some discussions with my wife, decided we were going to go in a different direction because, you know, that's a, that's a lot. It's very, it's, um, it's hard on families. Um, it's a lot of movement. So, um, but I got my master's from Northwest Missouri State, um, to just start teaching and just enjoying teaching and coaching, coached football, wrestling and track, um, and just had a great time. But while I was teaching at my alma mater, um, my principal was just having some conversations with me, really just 
uh, being a mentor and guiding me and just like, hey, I, I think you might want to consider administration at some time. I got my administration degree, so I knew at some point in time I would make the shift. Um, I just didn't expect it to make it that early with his encouragement and guidance. Um, so, but um, he gave me some great advice and some great leadership and some great development uh, assistance, and um, that's how I made the shift. And really making the shift because, you know, teachers are so impactful and they have such an influence on students and helping them learn and figuring out who they want to be. Um, and I love that aspect. And when you go into administration, you know you miss a piece of that. And your sphere changes so that you get to help kids still do that, um, but on a different level. But now you're helping teachers grow. Now you're helping adults. I've heard you talk more than once about um, mentors in your life. Mm -hmm. And it really sounds like you've really tried to place people in your life that help you in a positive way that help you with your career to help you in, in uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to do is that's been a pretty big part of your life. Would that be right? That's yeah, that's been a huge part of my life. And um, early on when, when I was a teenager and in high school, you really didn't know the impact. And I, no one had really told me about mentors and that you needed to seek out people to help you develop and help you grow and learn different skills and just give you advice for life. But I always clung to certain people who I knew like, all right, I want to model some of my life after this man. And, oh, I love what, you know, this adult female she's doing. So I identified people that I tried to learn from. And then when I got to college and I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> these are mentors. And these are, you know, for the type of person you want to be, you need to surround yourself with those type of people and you need to learn from those people. So I just started um, doing that because it has such an impact um, and spending time like scheduled time and d doing some real mentorship like, hey, I'm struggling with this or this is something I want to do. Um, and sometimes being told no, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think that's a great right pathway for you. So but I think, you know, high schoolers, college adults, you know, we have to find people who are willing to invest in us and spend time with us and help keep us grounded, but help push us and help correct us. And you know, that's not something that normal high schoolers probably recognize, mm -mm. that they're those people that kind of, you know, you need to look for those type of people. You know, really high schoolers just living life, you know, for the most part, you know, day to day. Um, don't, they're not really looking ahead. Uh, how, do we, how do we try to encourage that you know, awareness, I guess, with uh, kids to, hey, look for these type of people? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question because it, it is, I think, for some, for some students and kids, it's just, you know, like they're naturally seeking out ways to be better, to improve, to grow. Where some, you have to identify that, that that's a need in your life that you need to fill. Um, and a big part of it is just speaking to kids about, hey, who is it that you want to become? Who do you see in your community that you can spend time with that would help you get there, that would help you accomplish that? So it's having the conversation. It's talking specifically about leadership and growing and then setting up opportunities for students to get connected with people. A big part of my awareness came from, I came from a household, um, you know, parents were divorced. My father was um, abusive alcoholic at that time. 
Um, and I just know I wanted to live life differently. So I found men who was who were living their lives differently and presented a different image to their families. And I modeled myself and built relationships with those people who helped me. And sometimes kids just because they're in whatever it is that they're in, can't see the another positive side somewhere or can't see how to get out of that situation. And unfortunately, a number of those kids kind of fall into the same path as that parent or that negative influence in their life. And and it can't be all the school, can't do all of that. But the community, and I think you, you kind of hit on the point, that the community has to make themselves available to be those mentors, mm-hmm. to reach out maybe even a little bit, don't you think? Oh, I agree. Community is so important. That's one of the things that I love um, about Sykeson, and I see it a great opportunity because there are so many people in the community who want to help with the growth, development, and learning of our students. And the more relationships that and people we can expose our students to, and allow them to develop a true relationship with some of those people so it's not just a one-time opportunity. Those are great, and we'll celebrate those, and we'll take those all the time. But for those individuals who want to do something over the long time to really move and motivate a a child, um, it takes community. It definitely takes that person outside sometimes of the building for you to hear. (laughs) Yeah. And, it, and, and, I, and another good point you bring up, it's not just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mentoring someone has to be longer than that. It has mm-hmm. to, you know, because they need that reinforcement. You can talk that first time and bring up some good points or show them something, but it, it's, it's after that, right? right. You know, and, and that's where we have to, again, make ourselves more available to the kids. Absolutely. And, and, and having this discussion with, you know, my administrative team and my cabinet and, and, and teachers is Changing a child's behavior or helping them think about what behavior they want to change in themselves, it takes time. They're, you know, they're going to stumble. They're going to have frustrations. They're going to have difficulty. And they need an adult who they trust, who cares about them, who will speak truth and honesty to them so that they can continue that journey of development and growth. And, and not talk to them like they're a child like right that's really important. right that's huge yeah yeah i mean i we've my wife and i have always talked about our two kids and and we feel very blessed to have two great kids but at the same time i mean they're adults now but you know at the time that they were kids kids make mistakes absolutely because they're kids absolutely they make kid decisions <laughs> we do all the time i always tell this story i mean i'm old but i still tell this story anyway in high school um, you know, me and my brothers, our four brothers, uh, it's four of us, uh, three brothers, there's, there's four of us. Three of us were very athletic and competed in athlete, athletics and we wrestled in football and track. So in wrestling, um, my junior year, I was terrible. I was just, I was struggling. Um, I'd been successful early on, but I was just, it was awful um, experience. And so, um, and we have a legendary Hall of Fame wrestling coach. Um, he's in the Missouri Hall of Fame, Nebraska Hall of Fame, just an incredible coach. And I just told my teammates, I said, I'm done. I'm not helping the team. I'm not helping you guys. So I'm done. So I quit. I thought I went home. And my mom, people have to understand my mom is, you know, she's no nonsense. She's just like, oh, you quit, did you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 
the next thing I know, about you know an hour later, my coach pulls up at the house, and you talk about not speaking to you know young adults because truly they are, especially when you're talking about high schoolers, and then you talk about teenagers and preteens as if you're chastising them or um, belittling them. You know, I thought I was just going to get just destroyed by my coach. But that's not how he spoke to me. He encouraged me. He uplifted me. Um, he told me his dreams and visions for me, what, I, what he thought I could accomplish. It transformed my whole season, like in an instant. Wow. And, and he was a person who spent time with modeling certain things that I wanted to apply to my life from him. Uh, you come in at a really great time because we just opened up Wing Elementary, our brand-new elementary school. We had the open house here recently, and uh, uh, people are looking at that building going, wow, we can't believe this thing is in our community. Yeah, I mean, it, it just what a great facility. And, um, again, thank you to the community for supporting it. And just um, I just think it's just a great facility for our kids, for our community, um, to have this and just the technology, the environment that's in there, it's a great space. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, one of the toughest things I think probably for a school is the maintenance of buildings, keeping yeah. up. And then, you know, we can't just go out and build a building. We have to have approval and that sort of thing. And uh, thankfully, as you mentioned, the voters of Sykeston decided to um, vote to have this building built. And uh, it is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know uh, probably all the elementary parents want all their kids to, to be in that building. But, um, you know, uh, as you come into Sykeston and you're obviously evaluating a lot of things mm -hmm. and, and one of that being buildings, mm -hmm. uh, what's kind of the process you go through? What are you looking for when you're kind of evaluating the buildings and throughout the district? Yeah, um, as you said, I mean, also just walking into a wonderful um, situation and being able to celebrate that grand opening as a new superintendent. And then what bene what's beneficial is that I walked into, you know, the school district that had already done a lot of work as far as facilities and facility concerns. Um, so that makes the job a little easier. But when you're looking, you do audits of your facility. You spend time, you know, walking around, investigating. You bring in experts to help give you um, critical and constructive feedback on where are some critical and crucial areas that need to be addressed facility-wise. Um, you bring in community um, to see these and offer feedback as well. And then you use all that information to determine the direction that you want to go as far as a facilities improvement plan, which is, which is what Sykeson School District has done. So um, that's the process. And then you just identify that that first step, like we did with Wing, mm -hmm. and then you go on to phase two. Some people don't understand the importance of having a good facility for education. Mm. Um, you know, oh, the building doesn't matter. But the building does matter, right? The building matters in so many ways where there is truth that it is about the people inside and the students inside and that great teachers, and we have great teachers doing a lot in these spaces. But when you're talking about the impact 
on children and people and how they how they feel about that environment and how that environment makes them feel when they walk into it. Um, when it's bright, there's color everywhere. There's technology. Um, it just creates a different atmosphere. And then when you talk about it for recruiting and retention of highly qualified staff to walk into great to a great new facility to see, oh, wow, this is the place where I can get to work or this is the place that wants me. It's huge. And as well, I mean, it has an impact for people moving into a community. Years ago, I was at Southwest Elementary, which is now uh, used differently for what than what it was used for back then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first through third, half of third grade, the rest of third grade through fifth grade, I was at Matthews Elementary. So I, I know Matthews Elementary, and I remember walking into Matthews Elementary about, I don't know, a year and a half or so ago when I was on the uh, committee, right, that was kind of, you know, uh, coming up with recommendations for the school board. Walking into Matthews Elementary, first and foremost, I was like, you know, it seems like it was bigger back then. (laughs) And then you start walking through, and it still looks the same, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And you realize, gosh, we really need a new facility. Mm -hmm. And uh, so glad the voters decided uh, to to bring this new uh, facility in. And, you know, we do have a plan. We're going to be talking more about that plan coming up the next few Mm -hmm. months with uh, with the people of Sykeston. So as you evaluate coming in, again, you've only been here, gosh, about a month, right? Is that yeah, right? July 1, official start yeah. date. So, uh, so a month. Um, obviously, uh, you still have a, a lot you're trying to evaluate, but what are some of the things that you're, like, what was first on your list of evaluation or things that you wanted to kind of bring in and to kind of make that your starting point? Yeah, th- the first thing I wanted to do was meet with people and talk to people. Um, I wanted to meet, pe- meet teachers. I wanted to meet with principals. Um, I wanted to meet with people in the community. I wanted to learn what was important to them and not make assumptions about what was needed, um, but to identify what was needed based on what people were telling me. So I wanted to spend time first and foremost doing that. Um, you, you have some ideas, but if you just solely operate on that without listening and spending time with people, you're, you're generally guaranteed you're going to make a, make a mistake and going in the wrong direction that you're going to have to correct. So, so after doing that, just learning that um, facilities was an area of importance, um, focusing on some technology upgrades for some of our buildings that um, need some more technology, and then focusing on academic excellence and improving our academic outcomes um, and improving and building upon some of our previous successes. Mentioned technology, and we were talking before we started the interview about technology, how it's changed so many different things. Education has also changed because mm-hmm. of technology. Absolutely. There's so much more, and we're also learning that we have to balance our use of technology and not spend too much time as well with kids on lots of screens. But technology does allow for a, a lot of things as far as allowing a student to move at their pace and challenging them and growing them where they are. So it allows teachers to have a greater level of differentiation. So if you have all of these different kids at these different learning levels, technology offers you a way to address them and then pull them back together for some common lessons, some common instruction 
um, and still push everybody and grow everybody. Um, so uh, tech, and technology also provides experiences and exposures to places that kids may not get a chance to visit. Yeah, especially if you live in rural Sykeston, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's sometimes hard for kids to see themselves getting beyond the corn and the cotton and, you know, the fields and going places. And so I, we went on a trip recently, and it was a bucket list trip. And going there, I, did, I, ne- I never would have thought I would have had that chance to go. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opportunity because of my work to go places, too. Um, there's a whole new world outside of Sykeston Absolutely. that we could all experience, but we just got to know that we can get there. Absolutely. And I think it's, so, it's, it's exposing kids to some of those places. And then hopefully it motivates them to do something, you know, like some of our buildings, um, like the seventh and eighth grade center experiment with uh, not experimenting or implementing project based learning. So hopefully they see something, they're exposed to something and guys, hey, let's do a project to where we go to this part of the country or we take a trip here where we go ahead and serve and address this part of the community. Dr. Robinson, we're just about out of time. I mean, it, it's just amazing how time flies and, and when we have the talk show. But if there's one thing that a parent or even just a resident of Sykeston can do to help improve um, or to help in any way with Sykeston schools, like is there something specific they can do? Mm-hmm. Are there ways that they can help to make Sykeston schools the best that it can be? I would say... There are definitely a number of ways that if you have a, a skill or, um, or something you want to contribute and help to grow a kid, you can volunteer um, to mentor, to help, to grow, to speak to kids. Um, if you want to help out with just helping schools be secure and help out with supervision and dismissal, you can volunteer and, and come up to a school and say, hey, I'd like to help out in this way. Um, we can always use support when it comes to, you know, the facility needs that we bring up through bond issues and and as we instruct the public more about what we're doing. So that's an area. Um, and then if you have an expertise in math, science, reading, and you just want to tutor, that's another great way. You just want to use that expertise in that way. So really the, the answer is volunteer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, Dr. Robinson, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you. Had a great time. Dr. Tony Robinson, the new superintendent of Sykes and Public Schools, we thank him for being with us, and we thank you, too. On the talk of Sykeston, I'm Glenn Cantrell.